0: if you will, turn in your Bibles to the 15th chapter, the book of Isaiah, as we continue our study through the Word. Now, you'll remember last time as we have been watching the ministry of Isaiah, how Isaiah was declaring judgment that was going to come against Babylon. Now, you'll remember that as he's prophesying that Assyria was the world power before Babylon was and then after Babylon was the Medo-Persians. So as he is prophesying about Babylon, he is prophesying about the judgment that's going to come upon them after they rise to be the world power and then they take Israel captive, uh, the the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin and then you'll remember that at the end of those 70 years that judgment falls upon Babylon the Medo Persians come in and destroy the Babylonians and and so here we see that before Babylon was was anything here is the prophet Isaiah through the spirit declaring the things that were going to come and and as he talked about Babylon Babylon has such a history and Uh, The mystery religions of Babylon, see in Revelation, where it uh, says that she's the mother of all harlotry, of all false religious worship, that there in Babylon, there was the confusion of language. There was the establishment of nations that um, took place uh, out of Babylon. Babylon has been referred to as the seat of Satan's throne is Babylon representative typologically. And, uh, and so here, as we see that there's going to be judgment on Babylon, we see that it's not just judgment on Babylon in the physical sense, but also it's the judgment on Babylon in the spiritual sense. You'll see that in the book of Revelation, there is the correlation of the two Babylon's, that there is the false religious system of Babylon, but there is also the one world government. <laughs> And we see that Babylon itself, there the tower of Babel, was both. They were building the ziggurat. They initiated the false worship there, but it was also one language, one people. It was the one world governance uh, there. And we see that there was the breaking apart uh, of that. And so here we see that there is going to be this, you know, this proclamation on Babylon. And uh, and we saw how seamlessly the Holy Spirit moved from talking about the physical Babylon and the judgment that was going to come to prophetically also speaking about the judgment on the false religious system and on the one world government that we will see right before the return of Jesus Christ. And and so you have the, the near picture that Isaiah was casting, but he was also casting the future judgment uh, of Babylon. And then, right in the middle of all of this, what does he do? I saw Satan fall like a star out of heaven, like lightning from heaven. Then, then he goes to what is the source behind Babylon? And it is in Satan himself. And, and so we, we see the, the judgment that is going to come not just upon Babylon, but upon Satan himself and upon his entire kingdom. As we move forwards now into our chapters that we're going to be looking to here, we see that uh, that we are going to be talking now about Moab and and then also a a proclamation against Syria and Israel, but Moab. Now, Moab, a little background on Moab. Moab is on the east side of the nation of Israel. So today where Jordan sits, that was Moab. And Moab's on the east, the Mediterranean is on the west. And there is Israel right in between Moab and the Mediterranean. And they were perennial enemies of the Israelites. They did not get along well. They weren't neighbors that played nice uh, next to uh, one another. Now, you remember that the Moabs came from Lot. Now, remember Lot, it's there in Sodom. Let's go all the way back. Remember that God calls Abraham out of uh, Ur of the Chaldeans, uh, out of what would be Babylon. And we see him going to take you to a land, and he says, you know, depart and leave your family behind. But remember that Abraham lets Lot come with him. And Lot turns out to be a a problem. Lot is really representative of somebody who is following somebody who's following God. You see, Lot really never was following God. He was following Abraham who was following mm, God. And, and so we see this that constantly that Lot is, is making worldly, fleshly, carnal decisions at, mm. at every turn. And Abraham's always, you know, rescuing him. And Lot is always being blessed by the overflow blessing of Abraham. So being in the proximity uh, of Abraham, he, he is experiencing the, the overflow of those blessings. But you remember that Lot is there in, in Sodom, and uh, you'll remember that the angel comes and, and tries to pull his family out. Remember, he has three daughters, and they, they have their, their, their husbands, or two daughters, rather, and they have their husbands, but the husbands wouldn't come when Lot is trying to get them out, when the angel is trying to depart with them. You'll remember that Lot's wife gets turned into a pillar of, Salt and uh, and then you remember the destruction, fire and brimstone rains down on Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's completely destroyed. and And Lot with his two daughters end up now in a cave, and and to them they believe that the entire world has suffered judgment that they may be the last people on the face of the uh, of the earth just as noah's destruction now was universal what they experienced uh, and all and so you remember that the daughters they they ended up uh, getting pregnant uh, getting lot drunk and then <laughs> getting pregnant from lot well the son of of, of that it was moab and so The Moabites uh, are related to the Israelites, but where we see that Abraham was a man that walked with God, we see that Lot was a man that just kind of traveled in the company more so of of a godly man than being a godly man himself. I think it's so important in our life that, that we make sure that we ourselves aren't traveling in the company of people that are traveling with God, but that we're actually traveling with God ourselves. I think it's really important with our children, with our youth and, and the young ones that, that as they're growing up, they're traveling with people that are traveling with God. But eventually they have to choose to follow God themselves. And, and if not, then, then we see the consequences of that. So Here we see that even though they were related to one another when the children of Israel come out of Egypt, the Moabites persecute them as they uh, they are trying to make their way around to get to the land that that god has promised them they're not there helping them as kinsmen and saying hey you know let's do everything that we can god's going before you we see that they were constantly uh, against each other and they were a perennial enemy of them king david uh, fought against them and uh, subdued them and uh, and they ultimately were paying tribute then to Solomon and, uh, and to the kings uh, afterwards. But uh, then they rebelled against the kings. They became strong. and so said, we're not paying you tribute uh, any longer. And, and then they kind of rose uh, into power. But what is going to happen is that the Assyrians are going to come and they are going to bring judgment uh, on the Moabites uh, and we're going to see that this is the proclamation from God through Isaiah to the Moabites who are the neighbors directly to the east now it isn't going to be complete destruction you remember that in the book of revelation that Well, actually, in Jesus's ministry, he said that when you see the abomination that causes desolation, he tells everybody that's in Jerusalem to flee, to get out as quick as they can and to to get to the wilderness. Well, the wilderness uh, is Moab, and there Petra, many believe that Petra, which is in Moab, which is Jordan today, uh, that that's the place that God is going to protect his people and watch over them. So, while he is going to bring judgment against them, he also has a future and a plan and a purpose for them. Uh, and so it's a partial judgment uh, uh, upon them, but, uh, but we see that there is still a plan that mm, God has uh, for them. And so we begin here in the first verse of the 15th chapter of the book of Isaiah, the burden against Moab. Because in the night, are of Moab is laid waste and destroyed. Because in the night, Kerr of Moab is laid waste and destroyed. For those of you who don't know, I'm sure everybody does. R is the capital of Moab. You knew that? So that's their capital city. So, so the first thing it says in the middle of the night, their, their capital city is going down. And Kerr was their chief fortified city. It was, uh, it, it was their, uh, their mainstay. And so they're going to lose their capital city and their most fortified city that was impregnable, that was the most defensible city that they had in, the, in their country. That's going down also. The Assyrians are going to come in. It says in verse 2, He has gone up to the temple and Debon, to the high places to weep, and Moab will wail over Nebo and over Madiba, and all their heads will be baldness, and every beard cut off and in their streets they will clothe themselves with sackcloth on the tops of their houses and in their streets everyone will wail weeping bitterly now nebo you'll remember that that's where moses climbs up and gets a view of the promised land in the east uh, this now is in moab and So it says that everyone will wail over Nebo and Mediba. And and so on all their heads will be baldness and every beard cut off. A shaved head and a chopped or a cropped beard. They were signs of grief and also of mourning over the dead. And so there is just this, when the Assyrians destroy them, We see that there is going to just be weeping that is going to be taking place in mourning. And and here's what Assyria does. Assyria, as it ascends into power, it wants to go fight against Arabia. But in order to get out to Arabia, they have to go through Moab. So as they go through Moab to Arabia to subdue it, they wipe it out. And then they go fight against Arabians to do Arabia. And then on their way back, they whack them again just for fun <laughs> on, the, on the second pass and back uh, through again. And the Assyrians were a cruel, cruel people. And, uh, and so here we see that, uh, that when the people experience this destruction and they are just going to be in grief over the loss of life, the, the destruction. You're going to be in mourning over that and, and the grief of losing your nation. Imagine losing your nation. Imagine losing your mm, peeps, your, your people, your community, your language, uh, your way of life, Every everybody uh, around you. And then there's only one in 50, one in 100 left of uh, of, of what we had been. Just the utter decimation and... And we have seen different civilizations experience that, not only through war, but also through disease and uh, plagues that have come through and just just wiped them out. And here we see that the people that are left are just one day they're feeling like, man, we, we have got luxury, we have got wealth, we are doing awesome, and, and they are just looking forward to, uh, to the future. And the next thing you know, Just this array of soldiers, as many as locusts, uh, suddenly come and just go right through and consume and destroy your country. That's what happens. And it says those that are left behind, the remnant that are left behind, That they are just going to, they're just going to just shave their beards and their heads. They're going to be in such grief and mourning. They're going to be clothed with sackcloth. Sackcloth. What in the world is sackcloth? (laughs) I haven't seen anybody say, hey, I got a sackcloth suit on. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of mohair. Like, what is mohair? You know, he's got a mohair suit on. uh, uh, But sackcloth uh, is actually, many scholars believe that what sackcloth is, is camel skin turned inside out to where the rough skin of the outside, not the soft, smooth leather on the inside, so it's worn inside out with the scratchy surface uh, of the camel skin, uh, which it's touching your your actual skin itself, and so it was a... a hallmark of I won't even take comfort by dressing in comfortable clothes. I am going to just afflict myself. I am just going to sit in my mourning, in my sorrow, and in, in, in my grief. And so we're going to see that Isaiah actually gets emotional over the judgment that God shows him that he is going to bring on Moab, who, who is their neighbor. Normally, we don't see the prophets getting emotional over the righteous judgment of God. It's a righteous judgment on Moab, but we're going to see that, that even when it is a righteous judgment, sometimes it's hard to watch the, uh, the judgment itself. And, and Isaiah sees the judgment that is coming, and we're going to um, see him talk about his own emotional response to the very things that God is showing him and that, and that he is um, putting down. Verse 4, Heshbon and Elilah will cry out. Their voice shall be heard as far as Jehaz, and therefore the armed soldiers of Moab will cry out. His life will be burdensome to him. Now, Heshbon is the northern part, and Jehaz is the southern, and so, uh, 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 I'm sorry, uh, and Jehaz is the central part. So the wailing is going to be so loud that it is going to... uh, be heard from 30 miles away. They're going to hear them. And, and it says that even the, the soldiers, the men of war, are going to cry out. My heart will cry out for Moab. His fugitives shall flee to Zoar like a three-year-old heifer. For by the ascent of Luhit they will go up with weeping. For in the way of uh, name they will raise up a cry of destruction for the waters of Nimrim will be desolate for the green grass has withered and the grass fails, there is nothing green. My heart will cry out for Moab. Here we see that Isaiah is talking about that his own heart weeps over their their destruction for the things that they are going to experience. It is always sorrowful when you're exhorting and encouraging someone to follow God, and they won't. And you try and, and tell them that the path that they're on is gonna most certainly cause them consequences in in their life, and and you try and and have them to go the way that the Lord would would lead them in and. But off they go, and, and then you see the consequences unfold in, in their lives. And, and you knew that that was going to happen. And it's so painful to watch people suffer the consequences of their own sin. You look at the people who are stuck in addictions. And the pain and the suffering that they are in when these addictions just take them down and destroy their marriages and their families and their careers and their lives and, and everything that, that, that they had built. And, and to see the judgment, the consequences of sin on a person's life is, is a painful thing. To see it on a nation is also a heart-wrenching affair. And Isaiah, himself, is moved uh, here with compassion. His heart uh, in his chest, uh, he says, will cry out. And he says, for the waters of Nimrin will be in desolate. Now, Nimran is, uh, is the stream that flows into the Dead Sea. But the Assyrians are going to stop up the springs when they come through. Uh, that was a normal tactic uh, of the Assyrians to stop up the water. Uh, and so the stream of Nimran now is going to be desolate. It ceases. And therefore the abundance they have gained and what they have laid up they will carry away to the brook of the willows. For the cry has gone all around the borders of Moab. It's wailing to Eglim and it's wailing to Beer Elim. And so the uh, waters that had provided for them, gave them the abundance with their crops. And in the past, now we see uh, that the water is dried up. And as the water dried up, so also their prosperity dried up as well. And we see that riches, they have the ability to just up and fly away from a person's life and also from a, a nation's life. For the waters of Dimran will be full of blood, because I will bring more upon Dimon, lions upon him who escapes from Moab and on the remnant of the land. So when it says that Dimon will be full of blood, the waters of Dimon will be full of blood, it's talking about the the death that the assyrians are going to bring and the slaughter of the people and of the soldiers and so the there's going to be so much blood in the river that the river itself is going to take on a red hue and then it says that those that that escape it says that lions will be upon those who escape from moab we see that the, the flight from the invading armies isn't going to bring them security or safety, but new dangers, you know, it's out of the pot and into the fire. So here we see it's an escape from the Assyrians out into the wilderness, but the wilderness has its own problems. And, and so we see that the security and the safety is not in exiting and trying to escape. In chapter 16, we see that there is going to be the destruction of Moab. Send the Lamb to the ruler of the land from Selah to the wilderness to the mount of the daughter of Zion for it shall be as a wandering bird bird thrown out of the nest. So shall be the daughters of Moab at the fords of the Arnon. Now, we remember that they used to pay tribute. Moab used to pay tribute to the nation of Israel. And then they rebelled and <coughs> they stopped paying tribute. Now, the tribute that they were giving in Solomon's day, that tribute is listed and it says that they were giving to Solomon 100,000 sheep. And so 100,000 sheep was the tribute from the nation of Moab to Solomon. Then they, and then they stopped and now we see that judgment is going to come upon them and the prophet says maybe it would be a good thing to start the tribute back up again (laughs) you know to come and to draw near to the nation of israel god's people and the god of israel and let the god of israel be your protector that's their only hope that they have that's our only hope amen Mm -hmm. is our god our God is a mighty God, and He is awesome to to save, and there is no help anyplace else. And here we see that uh, that He now declares that the daughters will of Moab will be at the fords of the Arnon. So. Uh, here, it's talking about the fact if, if the waters are full of blood, what help is that going to be to show up at the, uh, at the river? The river isn't going to be able to help you. And, uh, and so the daughters of Moab speak probably of the small villages all throughout the entire land as the army traipses through and then destroys and coming back out again. And In verse 3, take counsel. Execute judgment. Make your shadow like the night in the middle of the day. Hide the outcasts, and do not betray him who escapes. Let my outcasts dwell among dwell with you, O Moab, and be a shelter to them from the face of the spoiler, for the extortioner is at an end, and devastation ceases, and the oppressors are consumed out of the land. Now, here we see that this is a a leap forwards uh, to the when first it's talking about the the stragglers that are coming out of Moab and it says to uh, to be kind to them but then look how it shifts in verse four let my outcasts dwell with you O, Me- o Moab now what he's talking about uh, is uh, it, the abomination that causes desolation when when my stragglers my remnant is going to be called uh, out of the nation of israel and where are they going to go they're going to go into moab and so here we see the prophecy uh is let my outcasts that's going to be the uh, the believers dwell with you O moab and be a shelter to them look at from the face of the spoiler that is saying you remember that when god's people the, the they flee from jerusalem and they go now to Moab and they are protected there. Remember, it says that the dragon comes after them and he spews out water and he seeks to destroy them. But then the earth uh, opens up and swallows the, uh, the water and the devastation to the, uh, the people of God is going to be averted. So. Hey, here we see the reference now to that in the book of Isaiah as he is talking about the fact to be a shelter to them from the face of the spoiler for the extortioner is at an end. right? So Satan, because he cannot get his hand on them, remember then he goes forth with great wrath to, uh, to bother the, the, the children of Israel wherever they may and be the children of God wherever they may be because he knows that his time is is, uh, is short and so uh, for the extortioner is at an end devastation ceases and the oppressors are consumed uh, out of the land and so this talks about now the return of jesus christ and the judgment that is going to come upon the antichrist uh, and uh, the the false religious system and the one world government in verse five in mercy the throne will be established And one will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking injustice and hastening righteousness. So, that everlasting kingdom here (coughs) is going to be established at that time. And so we move, we jump forwards into the The future. And we see how there is going to be the thousand year reign of Jesus at his second coming. (coughs) The one will sit on it in truth. (coughs) Excuse me. And the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. And uh, and so here we see that this is a a picture of, Uh, of the return of Jesus Christ. We have the exodus of the remnant out of Jerusalem, the protection in Moab, and then we have the establishment of the one who is going to sit upon the throne and who is going to rule in righteousness. In verse 6, we have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud of his haughtiness and his pride and his wrath, but his lies shall not be so therefore Moab shall wail for Moab and everyone shall wail for the foundations of Ker, Haraseth you shall mourn and surely they are stricken so Isaiah exposed the pride of Moab the people of Moab should have realized that they have no hope against the Assyrians and they should have turned to God through their neighbor Israel but they refused to do so and so they embrace the here destruction. For the fields of Heshbon languish, and the vines of Nsibmah, the lords of the nations have broken down its choice plants, which have reached to Jazer and wandered through the wilderness. Her branches are stretched out, they are gone over the sea. And therefore I will bewail the vine of Sidmah, with the weeping of Jazer. I will drench you with my tears, O Heshbon and Elilah. For battle cries have fallen over your summer fruits and your harvest. Now, first we see that it talked about uh, how the river wasn't going to give its water. Now we see that the fields and the vines are also going to be ripped down. They are going to be destroyed. And the lords of the nation have broken down its choice plants. Now, the practice of the Assyrians was to destroy orchards and crops. When they went through and they came to an orchard, they, they didn't just leave it, they just chopped it down. They just uh, mowed it down. And so here we see that, uh, that they just have destroyed the land. And there isn't the ability after the army is gone to come back in because they've just they've destroyed it. And he says that, I will drench you with my, with my tears, Isaiah is speaking here of his own grief, wailing and weeping (coughs) over the destruction that is going to come upon this beautiful area of Moab known for its vineyards and for the grapes and uh, the harvest is destroyed. Battle cries have fallen over your summer fruits and your harvest. Gladness, verse 10, is taken away and joy from the plentiful field. In the vineyards there will be no singing nor will there be shouting. No treaders will tread out wine in the presses. I have made their shouting and cease. It is always such a joyful time when they are treading the grapes. Maybe you remember the I Love Lucy episode uh, <laughs> where they are stomping the grapes uh, uh, and all in it. And it is such a joyous time. Because the the harvest is in. And here's the harvest and and now they're making wine. And wine is a symbol of joy in in the scriptures. But it is a a joyous time. And that there are grapes to stomp is, is reason to celebrate. But here it says that there'll be no celebration at the treading of the wine in the presses. I have made their shoutings, their shouts for joy. I have made them to cease. And therefore my heart shall resound like a harp for Moab, and my inner being <coughs> for Ker heres and it shall come to pass when it is seen that Moab is weary on the high place, that he will come to his sanctuary to pray, but he will not prevail. Here we see that there's great <laughs> lament in Isaiah He says the the weary people of Moab are going to come and they're going to go to the high places, they're going to go to their God, but there's no help and there's no answers. How tragic it is that people who are praying to idols, praying to gods, that they carry around with themselves, that they have to take care of. It's amazing You, you go overseas and over in Cambodia, and you go through the, the neighborhoods and everybody has one of these little tiny wooden temples that they have, and then they put food in the temple every single day to offer, they, want, they need to feed God. <laughs> and they have nothing for themselves, but yet they have this food that's, uh, that's just left uh, out there. No one's allowed to eat, it. it's, it's for God. So you know who eats it? <laughs> The rats, <laughs> they come and eat it. But, but the, here they are trying to take care of God instead of God taking care of them. They carry gods around uh, with them and, uh, and they set them up. And, uh, but there is no help. He says, they have eyes, but they cannot see. (laughs) They have hands, but they cannot move. He said, what are you doing? You're praying to gods that you've made out of your own hands. And now you worship them. How tragic it is when you need comfort, when you need help, when you need the power of God in your life, and and you discover that (laughs) that it's false. Religion fails. Religion is God's man, man's attempt to reach up to God. But how tragic it is when you think that there's a safety net underneath you and, and when you fall you discover there was no safety net underneath you at all. This is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning Moab since that time. But now the Lord has spoken saying within three years, as the years of a hired man, the glory of Moab will be despised. And with all that great multitude and the remnant will be very small and feeble. So here we see Isaiah gives the time on this. And, and he says within three years, it happens in two years, two years from the time that, uh, that he writes. This is when Assyria comes through and Moab falls. In chapter 17, we see a proclamation against Syria and Israel. The burden against Damascus. Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city, and it will be a a ruinous heap. We see that Damascus is the capital of Syria, and this oracle now is directed against them. The northern kingdom, they had aligned themselves with Syria to fight off the assyrians and they thought okay we'll go and make an alliance we'll join our armies together and we'll be able to take down the assyrians so they were trusting in the nations around them and in the armies of other nations to be able to defend them and protect them instead of trusting in god The question is this what are you trusting in today when the storm clouds start to roll in when you start to see trouble and difficulty heading your way where do you turn where do you turn i want to exhort you and remind myself to constantly turn to god to constantly turn to god that god holds the tomorrows in his hand amen And he knows the plans that he has for you. And he knows the way of escape. He knows how to keep you safe and to protect you, to lead you through whatever storm that that may come your way. And most certainly the Bible promises us that nobody gets fair weather all the way through their life. doesn't happen. Everybody gets the mixture. We get the bright, sunny beautiful days when the sun is warm on our face and the, and the breeze is just licking us and kissing us. And I love those beautiful days. And man, we also get the tsunamis that, uh, that roll in, the hurricanes and the gales and the unexpected storms and earthquakes. We, we get it all. We get the full gambit. Everybody does. And so, God says, "Mm, come, let me be your safe harbor. Let me be your high tower. Let me be your defender. The minute that anything, flee to him, run to him, quickly. He will preserve you. He will protect you. He loves you. And here we see that they were turning to the to the nation next to them and asking them for help some trust in horses and others in chariots but we'll put our trust in the name of of the name of the Lord put your trust in the name of the Lord don't make alliances and don't seek for man to be god i have found that <laughs> that people make very poor gods <laughs> The cities of Arar are forsaken. They will be for flocks which lie down, and no one will make them afraid. The fortress also will cease from Ephraim. The kingdom from Damascus and the remnant of Syria, they will be as the glory of the children of Israel, says the Lord of hosts. In that day, it will come to pass that the glory of Jacob will wane, and the fatness of his flesh will grow lean. It shall be as when the harvester gathers the grain and reaps the heads with his arm and it shall be as he who gathers heads of grain in the valley of Horephim. yet gleaning grapes will be left in it like the shaking of an olive tree two or three olives at the top of the uppermost bough four or five in the most fruitful branches says the Lord God of Israel. Now this is the first of three sections that start off with, in that day. And we see that this is describing it now and repeated throughout the invasion of the Assyrians. And, and it says that the fatness of his flesh grow lean because of that invasion. Then ultimately we see that Uh, that it is going to liken Israel to a field after a harvest or an olive tree after harvesting where here it is full of olives and afterwards, oh, you missed four or five olives that that are up there. That's what the land is going to be like. And then that day, a man will look to his maker and his eyes will have respect for the Holy One of Israel. He will not look to the altars, the work of his hands. He will not respect what is fingers have made nor the wooden images uh, nor the incense uh, altars and so when faced with the terror and the distress warfare they will realize the inadequacy of their idols the altars that were set up the Asherah poles were wooden symbols of Mm -hmm. Asherah Canaanites fertility goddess and the consort of Baal and in the northern kingdom, was widely influenced by Baal worship. And once the Assyrians come in and attack, Israel is going to realize that only the Lord could deliver them. When judgment comes, they suddenly wake up. And in that day, his strong cities will be as a forsaken bough and an uppermost branch, which they left because of the children of Israel and there will be desolation, because you have forgotten the God of your salvation. It's a tragic thing. They forgot. It's not that they didn't know; they knew, and then forgot. And so, how important uh, it is, because you have forgotten the God of your salvation, and not and have not been mindful of the Rock of your stronghold. There will be desolation, he says. Why? And then he goes on to tell them why. You've forgotten. The God of your salvation. What happens oftentimes is is once life gets comfortable, we can start to rely upon ourselves and where we were desperately close. Think about the times that you have gone through great difficulty, great trial in your life. Tell me how much time you were in the Word, tell me how much you were praying. Tell me how much you were gathering other people and having them pray for you as, uh, as well and, and how near you drew to the Lord. And that, and that is the natural moment. And, and then God lets the, the circumstances pass and, and he delivers you. And then he says to us, right? Stay right close to me like this. And we go, thanks God. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, you delivered us. And, and, and we drift Back off, and then another storm comes. We race back. <laughs> okay, God, I'm sorry. Just help me, please. You got to pray for me. Ah, I'm in the scriptures. I'm doing my devotions. I'm, you know, I am back. I am desperate and needy, and you know. And we run to the Lord, and and the Lord in His mercy and grace. He He helps us, and He says, "Sit, stay for." A while. I would, but. <laughs> I'll see you Sunday. <laughs> I think. Next Sunday. Not this Sunday. But. I'm going to rearrange my schedule. You're going to be a priority. God's like, okay. And this is what he says to us. I still love you. I still love you. I love you so much I'll take whatever part of me You'll give to me. I love you so much, I'll take whatever time, whatever place you name it, you be there. Two or more gather, I'm there. No matter what. And you see the humility of that. I mean, to me, it would be like, it's a good thing I'm not God, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be like, what? You're blowing me off (laughs) again? (laughs) Be like, (laughs) <laughs> you know? I mean, that would just be like, and instead, what, what do you see? It's the kindness, it's the gentleness. It's, it, the grace of God is just, it's ridiculous. It's just unbelievable. What is man that you are even mindful of us? And yet he loves us. He loves us. And then he says, and I want you to, to engage me. And then I want you to engage others, and I'll show you how to love, and I'll pour my love through you and onto others. And, and your life won't be a hurting mess. You'll be strong. You'll be blessed. The joy of the Lord will be your strength in going forwards. And I'll establish uh, your footsteps. And your life will have a foundation and it won't crumble. It won't be like a house that's built on the sand. That Oh, it's looking good. And then the tide goes out and then goes over. And you go, okay, I know what I did wrong. Okay, I'm going to build it right back up again. And the storm comes in and goes down again. You see, so many people in our culture today, struggling through divorce. Building a house on, on sand. And then the storms come and the house goes down and, and they go, I'm, I, it's the wrong person. Let's, and let's rebuild again. And, and then the storms come and it goes down again and, and again. And the problem isn't the other person. The problem is their relationship with God. Because until you let God fill you, you're gonna try and have that other person be your God. And they're gonna disappoint and they're, they're gonna let you down and they're gonna fail. And if your happiness is contingent upon a person instead of God, think about how up and down people are and how steady God is. And so, The reliance, not upon wealth, that can come and go. Not upon mm, people, they're fickle. Our own hearts are fickle. (laughs) But upon God. Build your relationship with God. Allow God to fill you, touch you, heal you, protect you, carry you, strengthen you, sustain you, uphold you, lead you. to green pastures and still waters. He's good at that. He knows where they are. He knows how to quiet your soul. He knows how to bless you. He knows how to make your cup, what? Runneth over. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me, what? All the days days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an offer. What an invitation and to continue to just nudge forwards to, to the Lord. The Lord is doing everything <laughs> he can to, to to draw you. And we're like skittish. And he's and he's trying to draw us to us. And then every time we come near, it's awesome. And then what is it about our heart that with the minute that things get good, we run away. We get consumed with our, with our fun and with ourselves and, and with everything, and, and pretty soon God's on the shelf. Not the priority. We haven't turned against Him. He just loses first place in our life. I'm the Lord your God. You shall know other gods before me. Don't let success or fun or pleasure or adrenaline or passion or hobbies or relationships or or anything move into first place in your life to where god gets pushed into second place so in verse 9 in that day as strong cities will be as a forsaken bough and an uppermost branch which they left because of the children of israel And there will be desolation because you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not been mindful of the rock of your stronghold. And therefore, Mm -hmm. you will plant pleasant plants and set out foreign seedlings. And in that day, I will make your plant to grow. And in the morning, you will make your seed to flourish. But the harvest will be a heap of ruins in the day of grief and desperate sorrow. So all the efforts in your life are are going to look like they're, that they're leading to, to the culmination, and then it's all going to fall apart. Woe to the multitude of many people who make a noise like the roar of the seas, and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. The nations will rush like the rushing of many waters, but God will rebuke them and they will flee far away and be chased like the chaff of the mountains before the wind, like a rolling thing before the whirlwind, a tumbleweed before a whirlwind. And then behold, at eventide, trouble. And before the morning, he is no more. And this is the portion of those who plunder us and the lot of those who rob us. We see that Assyria is going to bring trouble in the evening, but ultimately here we see that Assyria is going to be and judge themselves. But woe to those who plunder us. And the Assyrian soldiers are going to plunder many of the small towns and through in Judah, through the southern kingdom. 185,000 soldiers are going to be encamped around Jerusalem and God's going to send a single angel in one night and one angel is going to wipe out 185,000 soldiers. Their army becomes so weakened by that devastating judgment of God upon their army that uh, that it begins the topple and the rise of the, of the Babylonians to overthrow the Assyrians when, when they lost their army, trying to come up against Jerusalem, trying to lay their hand on God's holy city. And God promises that if you'll bless Jerusalem, I'll bless you. And if you come against Jerusalem, I will come against you. I'm so thankful that our nation stands with Israel and Jerusalem. Thank you, Lord, for blessing uh, us uh, because uh, we stand for Israel. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We ask that you would just continue to do a, a work in our hearts and in our lives. We ask that you would help us to be faithful, Lord. Would you help us to be faithful when you bless us? Would you help us to not just run to you that closeness, that intimacy, that dependence uh, upon you that we experience in times of trouble and need. May that become our norm. And Lord, may you draw us even closer from that new norm. May we be men and women like David who chase after your heart. God, and may we pursue you all the days of our life. May there be nothing else in our life that even captures our attention and competes with you. May you reign uncontested as the absolute sovereign in our lives. God, be magnified, be glorified. Draw us near to you. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right funny this weekend we're in revelation chapter 18 and on wednesday we're in isaiah 18 so we got a pair of 18s going on here uh, next week and so chapter 18 revelation you'll recall that's the judgment uh, on the babylon that is the political the one world government so we're gonna be talking about one world government we're gonna be looking at contemporary events that are going on and so this this weekend's service really looking forward to that and and then Our continued study of the book of Isaiah and just the way it keeps on intertwining with revelation and how Isaiah keeps going from the present and then launches right into the second coming and end times and uh, just uh, amazing the book of uh, Isaiah if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior please don't leave here Without doing that, at least let's discuss that and what that uh, actually means. Don't follow people who follow God. You need to follow God. Amen? So if you think that you might just be following people that are following God, let's, let's talk about that. And, and then also, if you need prayer, I want to invite you to come forward for prayer. May God bless you. May you just hunger and thirst for God this week. May He just salt your tongue. And you just insult your tongue. I love that 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 old wives, you know, wisdom is passed down. And when nursing babies won't drink milk and they're trying to put on weight, and you're trying to force them, you know, <laughs> you need to drink and and you know, and they just they'd like rather sleep than you know have to suck on a ball. <laughs> and and draw. You can fight with them and try and force milk into them, or you just. Put your finger in some salt, put it right on their tongue, and just wait a minute <laughs> 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 but, you know and, uh, you know, and it's like it's like, God, would you salt our tongues that we just thirst we just, we just thirst for you and it's just what we what we desire. Not, I made a New Year's resolution to read the Bible this week. (laughs) I'm a little tired today. It's a lot different than, (laughs) you know, in that that great desire, (laughs) you know. So, so may we just thirst uh, uh, for Him, and and may we just experience the fullness uh, uh, of Him uh, in our lives. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. peace. Let's stand a close.